All right. Uh, I'm not preaching today. Hope that's okay. Uh, we have a, a very special guest, and, and before I introduce him, I just kind of uh, want to uh, get you acquainted with his story and our story and how they kind of intermingle. Before I do that, though, did anybody notice all the orange uh, fencing up over here? Did anybody see that as you're walking in? Uh, we're getting to put a lid on our patio. What's up, everyone? Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of you are like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> there's, a, there's a, I call it the white death. As you walk outside here uh, during the noonday sun, uh, you are blinded by uh, the, our patio, which is a beautiful space, and we've used it uh, usually uh, to sweltering effect uh, uh, often in, in the history of our church. But uh, uh, we did this thing called Go Forward uh, a few years back, and by God's grace, we have raised more than enough money for us to buy cash in cash uh, pay for the roofing of our patio area and the setup of it for lots of other great opportunities for ministry. So yay God for that. Uh, letting you know that so that you know not to walk where the orange signs and fences tell you not to. Please, I know Jim, you like to cross lines like that, but don't do that. Anyway, all right. Uh, but exciting stuff. You'll be seeing more uh, of that go up as the year unfolds. Now, Speaking of unfolding, we've had the, the special blessing over the last five years to be a part of what God is doing uh, just north of here in, in the little burg of Mango. In uh, 2015, I sat down. I'm going to do this like the kids do. Has anybody noticed this? Anytime a kid gets up to, to, to talk, he always pulls out his phone for notes now. It's like a new thing. Here we go. Uh, in, in January of 2016, we sat down. Uh, by, by we, I mean me, uh, I sat down with some of the leaders of what was then First Baptist Church of Mango, a church that had existed for 80 years uh, on five acres of property just up north here in Sefner uh, at the corner of those streets. Anyway, um, uh, that meeting went well enough to where uh, we sensed as God was leading them and us to join together and, and become one church in a couple of different places. And so uh, on May 29th, we had our first service at what is now known as the chapel, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and things began to happen there rapidly. We had no intention of doing anything except restoring these old church buildings and continuing the work of God there. Uh, but a few months later, we had multiple offers from uh, multiple companies asking us uh, about that property. We said no the first three or four times, and then the numbers just got to the point where we had to start praying. God, is this something that you're doing uh, that might enable us to move forward with the ministry of this church? We ascertained that that was the case, and uh, in uh, June of 2018, we closed on that mango property, selling two acres uh, for just under $2 million. It worked out pretty well for us. Um, yeah, thank you. Oh, it was me. It was all, no, it was, it, uh, God did all of that. Uh, it certainly, you know, threw the church into a, a lot of questioning times. We, we moved the, the chapel here onto our property for services. Uh, but there's so many details and so many twists in this story. But ultimately what happened is that a few doors down there on uh, MLK and Sefner, a uh, property came open to us, uh, another uh, five uh, uh, acres and another building that we were able to purchase with cash and uh, move the chapel into and still have money left over uh, uh, to make a, a, a serious dent in the uh, building of their next building. Uh, so we basically translated, or, or God, by his grace, took old broken down buildings that were gonna take a lot of money, and he moved us a few hundred feet down the road to another property facing MLK uh, with a building that we could restructure and use in the process of our growing and then have money left for another building. Is God good or what? So. 
Uh, during that process, uh, the, the, the faithful team of leaders that were a part of those early years of the chapel, there was some transition. I'm so grateful to John Weaver and, and the rest who continue to serve uh, at, at the chapel. But uh, it came apparent that we were going to need another pastor, and that's where we uh, get to today. In uh, March 17th, 2020, one week after COVID shut the world down, I sat down uh, with our speaker this morning. His name's Richard Toussaint, and uh, Richard uh, was at a point in his life where he uh, was figuring out what God had for him next as we were figuring out what God was having for us next. And uh, as the old commercial goes, uh, his peanut butter, peanut butter met our chocolate, and we made a Reese's peanut butter cup. And um, it, I, don't, I didn't have that plan to say, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, through many meetings and lots of prayer on both sides, uh, we uh, were blessed in July uh, of 2020 last year to officially uh, install Richard as the pastor of the chapel. He and his wife, Janice, uh, are uh, uh, here today. Yeah. Uh, their son, their son, Richie, and their daughter, Catalina, are uh, over next door, I think. I hope. Anyway. Um, but just so grateful for them. I love Richard and Janice. Uh, uh, and I'm so, uh, you know, impressed by what God has done in them thus far in ministry uh, up to the point of them joining us. And uh, on the first day that we opened up services, of course, everything was closed down as Richard, you know, welcome to your new job. You can't do church. How's it going? Yeah. Uh, uh, but we opened up services in September and, and quickly almost doubled the number of people who are joining us at the chapel. Uh, went to one, from one service to two services. It continues to grow. There are so many needs. It's such an exciting time as we pray COVID ends soon. Is anybody with me on that? As, as COVID ends soon and as things kind of get going for our church and for the chapel, we just pray that there is this influx of people who desperately need the love of God through us. And uh, for that to happen at the chapel, there's going to be uh, lots of opportunities for people to serve. And that's why, one of the reasons why I'm having Richard preach to us today. I want you to hear his heart. And if God is leading you, perhaps today, to you know, tap uh, the, the tires and, and stick your, your toe in the pool of what the chapel's about and maybe even serve there for a season uh, I want you to be open to that uh, and, and get to talk to Richard about those things. In fact, let me just give you this quick phone number if you want to just have it. We'll show it at the end of the service as well. But if you're interested in being part of the chapel, you can text the word SERVE to 813-819-9168. And we'll, we'll throw that up at the end of the service as well. Anyway, that's my, my opener so that I can introduce you to my friend uh, and fellow pastor. Give it up for Richard Toussaint, pastor of the chapel. Let's give it up for your pastor, Mark Saunders. I've had the honor to sit in rooms with pastors. As a matter of fact, last week um, we, were in, we went to a conference to where the top three, top five churches in the United States, their pastors were represented. And we had a chance to sit in the same room and pick their brains about a little thing. And while I was in there, I came home and told my wife, I said, you know what? You would think that I would have been like, oh, man, this is so amazing. I'm here with them. But honestly, because I get to sit with Pastor Mark every week, I wasn't amazed by them because they were such an incredible man of God that's in my life that I get to do life with that pastors this amazing church that I was able to say, I got better at home, right? There's better at home. 
So with that, man, I just want to give honor to Pastor Mark, man. I really believe that you are one of the best pastors I've ever met in my entire life. Also, Pastor Tom, your executive pastor, that guy is funny and he is amazing. Um, the elders of this church, I've had a chance to meet with you and have um, banana pudding with you. Now, I don't know who it is. I don't know if you're here. But whoever is the person that creates or makes the banana pudding for the elders meeting, the Lord bless you. He keep you and cause his face to shine. That thing almost made me slap my mother. Okay, so today, as you were told, I have my wife with me this year. We'll be married for nine years. We have two children, a little boy named Richard, and our daughter, who was one, going on 15 by the name of Catalina. So if there's any time that you want to hug some babies or some infants, call me at 2 o'clock in the morning, and we will arrange for the Lord to satisfy that need. Amen. All right, so I have two main goals for you here today. Number one is to encourage you in the Lord, remind you and encourage you of the goodness of God. And then number two, to also see who the Lord will have in this place, if it be his will to come and help, right? We're asking to come and help. And I've been praying and I've been asking the Lord for this particular passage today, what would I come and speak to a church so astute, so theologically minded, so good looking, (laughs) as yourself today? And I believe that he has given the word. And before I go into the passage that I have today, there's a question that I have for you. Simply this, what is something that everyone needs, but very few people have? What is something that everyone needs, but very few people have? Somebody said, Jesus, you know we're in church. You know that's like, it's like the default answer you can't say wrong to. But here's the answer that I'm, I'm going with today. There's a, man, there's a lot of things that people need, but few people have. There's things like homes, right? Everyone need a place to stay, but may not everyone may have one. Um, We would say, man, a good savings account. Everyone may need to have, according to Dave Ramsey, an emergency account, but everyone may not have one. But there is something even more detriment than those things. I think everyone needs to have a friend that helps them see Jesus. Everyone needs to have someone in their life that helps them and brings them to Jesus. You see, my parents have been married for over 45 years. And whenever I would go over to their house, which we do on a weekly basis, my son tries to allure my mom into giving him candy that he shouldn't eat. So while he's doing that, I'm outside with my father and we're having some conversation. And my dad would always say this, Richard, don't forget where you came from. And here is what he meant by when he says, don't forget where you came from. He means that as you're progressing through life, as you're going through new um, terrain and as you're plowing down things, don't forget the people that you met before you meet the new people that you were encountered with. And here is what I mean by that. Don't forget where you came from. Because at one point in life, you needed someone to help you see Jesus. You needed someone to carry you, to drag you, to pray for you. I don't know if you came from old school church where the mother had the anointing oil and she would put it on your pillow before you laid to rest so that the Lord may just do something in your life because clearly their talks were not working. I don't know what you encountered, but I know at one point I needed someone to help me see Jesus. So today that is what our text is surrounded around. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your iPad, your iPhone, your eyeballs, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to be reading from verses 17 all the way down 
to verse 26. I hear the pages turning and I hear the fingers scrolling. Amen. Let's read the word of God together. One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. And they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house and to lay him before Jesus. But in the process of doing that, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered the man on his mat threw the towels into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. The story sounds amazing unless this is your house. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow that speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiving or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. We're going to say that one again. I want you to know the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying and went and praised God. Everyone was amazed and give praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help. Amen. All right. So we're in the book of Luke, and this gospel next, some of y'all are like, whoa, 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 that was it? <laughs> I tell folks every time, if I have to pray right now, if this is my first time praying, I'm in trouble already, right? So we're in this gospel of Luke, this narrative, and Luke is known as the great physician. And although we're picking up in a book um, of chapter 5, and we're in verse 17 to 26, there is so much that have happened in the upper portions of this chapter already. And there is so much that have happened that I think is so detriment to where we are right now. So, for example, one of the very first things that we see in Luke chapter 5 is Jesus calling a disciple to himself. His name is no other than Peter. And the way how Jesus does this is so amazing. Right around verse 5, after Jesus is finished preaching to the masses at the Sea of Galilee, Jesus tells Peter, cast your net on the other side. But Peter says, Lord... I have already been up all night fishing. I'm tired. But master, and the word there in the Greek is epistat, which also means boss. You see, Peter was willing to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. Because of the word of Jesus, Peter threw his net, and he had so much that he had to call on Baylife Church to say, hey, come and help me get this fish in the boat. You see, the first thing that we see in the book of Luke is that you can take Jesus at his word. When Jesus tells you to do something, you can take that to the bank. That's bad grammar, but good gospel. You see, the next thing that we find according to the book of Luke is right around verse 12. There was this leper 
And the Bible says he was filled with leprosy. And he ran up to Jesus knowing that he wasn't supposed to touch him because anything that he touches becomes unclean. But how many people know dirty things can touch a holy God and his, that holy God will never become tainted. So he comes and he bows down before God and he says this, if it be your will, you can heal me. And Jesus says, it is my will. And he heals the leper. So we realize that we can take Jesus at his word, but now we also know that we can trust in the will of Jesus. That what he has for you is what you need to have. And he will see you through and he hears your request because his will is perfect. So now we are in the phase that I just read, verses 17 through 26. And what we're going to see is that you can trust in the work of Jesus. What is something that everyone needs but few people have? You need friends to bring you to the feet of Jesus Christ. But in order for friends to bring you, your friends need to possess a certain attributes which are actually biblical, which I know that you have today. So the first thing I want to do as we're setting up this passage is to give you an idea of the audience. You have a sincere, hopeful audience, but also you have skeptical observers. You have some individuals that are sincere hopefuls. They're there because they have heard of the goodness of God. They have heard that he heals lepers. They have heard that he gets fish. They have heard him do so many things, and they're hopeful that God will do something for them. And then on the other hand, you have the skeptical observers. These are the individuals like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were there not to say, bless me the name of God, but to hear Jesus say something so they can rebuke him, refute him, and ultimately crucify him. You see, in every audience, you may find two individuals. And in every way of life, in every family member, in every family, you may find two sets of individuals, people who are rooting for you and people who are looking like, I'm waiting till he messes up. What is something that everyone needs but few people have? Someone to help them see Jesus. So here is the interesting thing. There is so much tension in this text. And I want you to feel the tension that's there. You're like, Pastor, where is the tension coming from? Well, let's talk about the Pharisees. Because we know about them, that it means to be set apart. Normally, they're set apart from the Gentiles. They're set apart from rituals that are impure. They're like the most brilliant individuals pertaining to the law. So whenever you see a Pharisee, normally they're gowned in this amazing robe, and they're walking around kind of pious, but today it isn't about them. So here they are amongst the commoners. Here they are amongst the people who are dirty. Here are they amongst the people who may not be affluent. They're crossing over regions and they're in places where people need help, but they're not coming to them for help. So automatically there's some tension in their hearts saying, who is this guy? They're not saying what John the Baptist said, I decrease Jesus so that you may increase. They're looking and saying, who is this person coming in here and stealing our rank? Who does he think he is? And then there are the tension of the people who came to be helped. I mean, everybody and their mother are probably at that place right now. You see, Jesus came to teach the word of God, but because he is who he is, he attracts a crowd. And there are people who are squeezed into this building. You know, this isn't in the time of COVID-19. That would be a horrible time in that house. You would have a mass section. You would have non-mass section. 
you would be like, Jesus, okay, we're not going to get into that. But they're packed into this house like sardines. And everybody is pushing on top of each other, trying to get to Jesus. And then something amazing happens. Something that started before that encounter with Jesus actually happened. There was a man who was paralyzed. There was a man who was dejected and his spirit was downcasted. And his friends decided that they were going to have compassion on this young man. And they were say, hey, the first thing that we need in order to help people see Jesus is you need compassion to help. You see, there are individuals who would see the need of others and they would walk by them and say, someone else is going to take care of it. But then there are individuals who would see a need and say, no, that's me. I am going to help. You see, in the book of Luke, it doesn't tell us how many, but Mark's gospel is far more descriptive. Mark tells us that there were four of them who helped this man to see Jesus. You see, this story is actually written in three of the four gospels, which reiterates the importance of this story. So this man was destitute and this man was dismayed. This man was paralyzed. And one of his friends came up with this bright idea. We need to take you to see Jesus. Because when there is nothing else that anyone else can do, we know someone who can do what no one else can. Ironically, Luke is a great, Luke is a physician and he is talking about the great physician and his ability to heal. You see, I don't want you to get blindsided by the miracles that happen in this passage. Because whenever Jesus performs a miracle, it's really just to illustrate more about himself. And we're going to see more of that later on. So they figured they needed compassion to help. So they said, what are we going to do? He's paralyzed. So they put him on a mat and each person begins to grab a corner. You see, because sometimes you need someone else to help you get to the feet of Jesus Christ. So each one of his friends grabbed a corner and they began to walk towards the crowd. Now, mind you, I'm sure that when they were home, the plan was we put him on a mat and we carry him to Jesus. We walk through the front door and we simply lay him down. That was the plan. But how many people know when you're trying to help folks see Jesus, the plan don't always go as planned. There is always something else that happens. So here they come and they show up and there are so many people in the house that they're not even allowed to go to the front. Could you imagine them? Hey, move. I have somebody here that's paralyzed. I need to see Jesus. Well, I'm sick too. I need to see him as well. Hey, get out of my way. You're not getting out of my way. I need to see Jesus. It's like Black Friday for Jesus. And normally because, normally because things get hard, people stop. When things get hard, people stop the work that they're doing. But you need compassion to help. You need compassion to care. I remember when I first got this opportunity in Mango, um, at the chapel, I'm sitting there and we received a phone call from Mango Elementary. Mango Elementary is a Title I school. The principal called and said, Pastor, um, there's a situation and we want to know if you guys can help. I said, what's the situation? There are students in our school who linger around the cafeteria waiting for other students to leave so they can take the food off their trays because they don't have any at home. I said, what? 
Man, there are students who are lingering around trying to get some food to eat because when they go home, their parents are working doubles or they're coming from single homes and they have nothing to eat and they are starving. Can you help? I said, in the perfect world, if Jesus is on the throne, what would it take to ensure that no kid goes home hungry? They said, man, we would love to have a food pantry at our, at our school. We would love to be able to have the hungry students come in when no one else is around so they don't feel embarrassed and get food so they can go back home and eat some food. I said, food pantry? Now here's where I get myself in trouble, right? I said, a food pantry? That's it? We'll do it in the name of Jesus. We'll have it for you. Pastor, you just got this job. <laughs> you didn't ask about the budget. You didn't, you didn't go talk to the elders. You, you, you didn't go get a team together to see who's willing to come. Sometimes none of that is needed. You just need compassion to help. There are just some things in life where you say, this will not happen, not as long as I'm here. And that's what we need with our friends. Let me tell you how the story goes. Man, we came back and said, we need help. We need to create this pantry. The Lord sent an organization to say, hey, we have heard about what you're doing. We're going to give you all the food for your, for your charge. I said, what? Free? Free as in free free or free as in like partial free? They're like, no, no, free as in free free. I said, God is on the throne. So we went over there with the big truck. We got over 5,000 pounds of food. We backed it up. They said, we're going to give you a whole room. We brought it in. Mango Elementary now has a food pantry to help those hungry kids. Sometimes... Someone needs to grab a corner, but it didn't stop there. Because of that, we were able to start feeding their teachers. And when we started feeding their teachers, we started praying for their teachers. The social worker began to see a change, and she said, I have to come and see. You see something familiar in the passage? I have to come and see. She came to the church and said, man, this might just be my home church from now on because you are affecting the community. And I am here to see who else wants to join us in grabbing a corner. Whether that's at Bay Life, whether that's at Chapel, whether that's in your house, there are corners to be grabbed, and I know you can grab a corner as well. So here we are. You need compassion to help. The next thing is you need consistency to work. When everything got tough, that was their time to stop. They didn't sign up to do anything else but walk you through the front door. But when the front door isn't an option, you go by all means necessary. So I can imagine one of the friends, you know, there's always a crazy friend in the bunch. There's always somebody that you're like, why do we bring them? They're not with me. I can imagine somebody saying, hey, if we can't go through them, why don't we go above them? That's the actually a pretty good idea. Normally to get on the top of those homes, there is a sidestep that's built into the homes with a ladder or something to go up to the top. And as I'm thinking through this, I'm saying, that is a lot of work to go around the crowd, to go to the side of the house. Now keep in mind, this guy may be heavy. If he's like me, he's built for comfort. And whenever you're built for comfort, you need a little extra help to go where it is that you have to go. 
which means that there is extra strain on some people. Which means that you're going to do some things that you didn't sign up for. Which means that there are some things that are out of your element. Because you have compassion to help, man, you are going to have the courage to work. Remember Moses when God called him? Remember the reason why God called him? I have heard the cries of my people. Compassion. But now I need someone to go. Courage. Moses, go. But Lord, I have a stuttering problem. I'll get you somebody else. But Lord, who do I say send me? I am sent you. What kind of title is that? They'll know when you hear it. Trust me just go the brother had courage to go because it was a courage given to him by God he showed up and he led the biggest the biggest exodus literally in history because there was compassion and there was courage in the face of opposition there was still compassion and there was still courage So they decided to peel off the wreath that's on top. And the homes that normally have a clay roof, hardened clay. So they begin to peel the clay off. They begin, let me put this in layman's term, they begin to vandalize someone's house. <laughs> Could you imagine right now while I'm preaching? Like, that the building that you guys fundraise for. The building that you're like, this is my house of worship. The building that you call home, all of a sudden, there's a hole in the roof. I thought about bringing somebody down to the roof, but I wouldn't be safe. So I said, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. I just got the job. We're not doing this. And can you imagine while Jesus is preaching about the kingdom of God, while Jesus is, is preaching about the compassion of God, while Jesus is preaching about the courage of God, there is someone who is literally exhibiting the same thing that he is preaching. They look up and they are ripped the entire roof off that is needed and they begin to lower this brother down to see Jesus. Jesus looks up and Jesus says, I am moved by their faith. Now keep in mind something special here. The guy on the mat has nothing to do with any of this. Jesus wasn't moved by his faith. He was moved by the faith of his friends. He was moved by your faith. Which lets me know that there is faith that can be seen, not just spoken. There are some times where you have to do something to verify the faith that is within you. You need compassion for the lost. You need the courage to bring them in by all means necessary. And when they came down, the climax of the story, the crescendo, everything is building. And they were waiting for this moment. They were waiting for Jesus to say, get up out of your mat and be healed. And when he opened his mouth, I can imagine the four friends kneeling down from the roof. And that crazy friend, hey, you're too close to the edge. You're too close to the edge. Move. I can imagine them with anticipation. He's about to heal him. He is about to heal him. And then Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. What? <laughs> what? So we trucked them all the way. We, yeah. Huh? All this sweat and you ain't heal them? All this trouble and this is how it turns out? to where Jesus is illustrating a bigger picture. The man had a physical posture of being paralyzed, but Jesus was more concerned about his spiritual state of him being paralyzed. How is it possible to heal a man 
And he is able to walk on earth, but he would burn in eternity. And Jesus is saying, before I heal your spiritual, before I heal your physical need, I am going to touch your spiritual need. But then there were some people in the crowd who witnessed Jesus doing something that they couldn't do. And their names were the Pharisees. And they actually asked some good questions. Who can forgive sins but God alone? (laughs) You missed it. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And what they didn't realize was the incarnate God was literally sitting there right in front of them. So the question that was meant to refute is actually the question that's meant now in our reading and in our context to build up. What they tried to tear down, God is using their words to build up the same way they put the words above his cross. Here, Laha is the king of the Jews. Here, hangs the king of the Jews. It was meant for an insult, but now we see it as a reputation. He was the king of the Jews and the Gentiles. There's a play on words happening here. Jesus says something amazing. Which one is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Here's what Jesus is doing. The miracle that Jesus is about to do, it actually verifies and validates Jesus as a savior. And here's why. When he says, which one is easy, easier, Jesus is applying some euthanism. Is it harder to tell someone, get up and walk and heal them? Or is it harder to forgive their sins? You know what? Watch me do both. Your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. The fact that Jesus can heal the paralyzed man, if he can take care of your physical, the the tribulation here is that he can also take care of your spiritual. So there is another miracle that shows that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the son of God. And immediately that man got up. Here's what I don't want you to miss. This is his first, this is the first time that this brother gets a say in the action. This is the first time that he actually gets to do something in the story. And I want you to see the first thing that he does when he gets up. He rejoices and he listens to God. God says, take up your mat, roll it, and go home. He got up, rolled up his mat, and he went home rejoicing. The very first thing he did was obey God. He obeyed God. He obeyed God. As I come to the close here, darn it, as I come to the close, here's what I want you to know. I want you to obey God. I'm this guy and I'm over here asking, I'm asking for help. I'm asking for help because we need to help people see Jesus. There are some individuals that we're dragging through the church who are paralyzed. They're paralyzed spiritually. And currently right now, we don't have enough people to grab a corner and to bring them to the feet of Christ. Yes, we're growing and we're at two services now, but if I can be honest, we need more. We need individuals that can help. We need some individuals with compassion. But pastor, I can't preach. What am I going to do? You don't need to preach. No one in this passage preached a single word. They just did what they were supposed to do, which is have compassion, have courage, and believe in the case 
for Christ. That's what I'm asking of you. I'm asking for some compassion. To come to a church where you might not find anything, huge building and glamour and lights and you may not find any of that stuff. To come to a church where you're going to have to get your hands dirty and maybe you're actually going to have to do more than you sign up for. The front door may be filled. You may need to go to the rooftop. We're insured. We're good. You may have to do a little bit more. But I guarantee you it's all worth it. And here is when it gets to be worth it, is when you don't forget where you came from, which was the feet of Christ. When you don't forget where you came from, which was the feet of Christ. And when you see someone come to the feet of Jesus Christ and they arise and they are no longer paralyzed and they are rejoicing in God and they are going and the passage ends by saying, we have seen amazing things today. When the testimony could be that God has healed me, he's transformed me, my life is no longer the same. God has done something amazing today. That's when it becomes worth it. But before that, there's sweat, there's tears, and there's doing things that you didn't sign up for. That's what I'm calling you to. That's what I'm calling you to. And you know what I love about this passage even more? The Lord woke me up on this. He said, Richard, what are the names of the people that helped this paralyzed man? I looked through Matthew's gospel. I looked through Mark's gospel and I read it again in Luke's gospel. And although this is recorded three different places, no one, no one wrote down their names. You know what God said? God said the reason why their names were not written down It's because they wanted all the glory to go to God. Sometimes your names won't be remembered. Man, Pastor Richard, that's some kind of appeal. You're not promising any thrills. This is the work of the Lord. Sometimes your names may not be remembered, but the glory goes to God. The glory goes to God. The glory goes to God. So I'm asking, do you have compassion to help? Do you have courage to work? And do you believe what Christ can do when you bring people to his feet? What is something that everyone needs but few people have? People to grab a corner and to help them see Jesus. If you would like to help the cause at the chapel, here's how you can do so. I would like you to, in this tech world, If you can text serve to the number 813-819-9168, a member of our team would reach out to you and we will, we may shower you with confetti. (laughs) I'm trying to give you a realistic picture. God is doing some amazing things, but we need some boots on the ground. We'll shower you with confetti and bring you in. And then we can begin to discuss the work that we have to do to push the kingdom of God forward. Anybody excited about that? So Bay Life, as as I'm about to pray over you and have you guys be dismissed again, man, take it from the new guy. 
Pastor Tom said, Richard, man, just treat this like you're at home. And I'm like, oh, so I'll be the college kid that comes back, eats up all the food, you know, mom, do the laundry, all that stuff before I go back. And they're like, whew, we missed him when he was gone, but man, he took all our food away. (laughs) I just want to tell you guys, thank you. Because if it wasn't for your gifts and your donations and what you've already done, there would be no chapel church. So thank you for everything that you have done. Thank you for already grabbing a corner. But I'm asking that you take that other hand and grab another one. And I want to be sensitive to your time and I want to be sensitive to your spiritual needs. Maybe there's somebody in your family right now that they need to see Jesus. And you've been praying for them and you've been, Lord, I pray that somebody would carry them to his feet. Today, early this morning, I was, I was praying. And if that's you in the house, I simply want you to raise your hand. I love this at the Baptist church, right? You get to do the hand raising. And I, and I get to say uh, my favorite Baptist words, I see that hand, I see that hand. If there's somebody in your family that you say, man, pastor, they need to, to see Jesus. I just want to pray for you that, man, the grace of God and providence of God would aid and call them and give them the experience that this paralyzed man has to where he gets to the feet of Jesus and sees him as Savior. So, on count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If there's anybody in here, you say, Pastor, there's some family members that I believe, man, they need to be at the feet of Jesus. Can you pray for us? If that's you, on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand in the name of Jesus. All right, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be dismissed. If you can, I ask that you please all stand with me right now. Before COVID, I would probably say join hands, but we are not doing that in the name of Jesus. So here it is. Heavenly Father, you are a graceful God. You are a powerful God. You are a God that we can trust your word, we can trust your will, and we can trust your work. And Lord, we've identified family members that need to hear from you and need to see you. So by your spirit that calls and draws, Won't you draw them to you? Won't you make it irresistible, Lord? Won't you make yourself so attractive that they see you and say, man, what must I do to be saved? I pray for the family members who've been praying a last day and night for situations to change. Won't your grace come in and do what only you can do? Won't you be the great physician of the heart and of the body? I pray for the the families that have children that are represented in this room. Lord, I pray according to the book of Daniel that they be found head and shoulders above the rest. That according to 1 Peter 3.15, that they always be ready to give an answer for the gospel message that is within them with meekness and with fear. I pray that according to Joseph, that they neither turn to the left or to the right. Lord, I pray that by David, they have strong men and women around them to encourage them. Lord, I pray that your power is with them pray you cause your face to shine upon them and give them peace. Now unto the king who is eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. To him be the glory, the honor, the dominion and power now and forevermore and the people of God say amen. Baylai family, you are dismissed. Thank you so much. If you would like to have a conversation with me, um, by any means, I'll be over here to the side of the stage. And again, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you.